Welcome to the Art and Science of Joy podcast. This podcast is all about inspiring people to live more joyfully. So if you're seeking a bit more joy in your own life or seeking to bring some more joy to the lives of others, then this podcast could be well be for you. And welcome to the Joy Superpass series in, in which we explore special powers each and every one of us can cultivate in order to navigate these turbulent times in which we find ourselves. I'm Andrew Cannon, and I have the honor to be your host. And in this episode, I'm excited to be talking with Doug Keith about the joy superpower of curiosity. A few words about Doug. Doug has a creative background, including public radio, producing on-air, hosting, a published author and a writer-director of short films, documentaries and music videos. Doug has built a career in market research, helping companies such as Google, P&G, Bank of America and Levi's, to name but a few, better understand their customers. Welcome to the show, Doug. Thank you so much, Andrew. It's really great to be here. Well, it's my pleasure, and it's such a curiously interesting topic that we're going to talk about. But before we really get into that, um, I want to talk to you a little bit about who you are. And, and one of the things we picked up when we looked into you um, with, was that a record producer friend of yours had said the following um, about you regarding to your work at a classic rock station in Philly. And he said that, that people want what they know and they don't know what they want. In essence, you know, this mere exposure effect, which captures the difficulty of pursuing something new and maybe a bit risque. And so our thoughts, you know, when we looked at that was that, you know, as a, a screenwriter, artist, or a generally creative person that you are, how do you manage to bring your work that, you know, could be argued not necessarily to an uncurious market, um, you know, with filmmaking, conversion as a brand company, is there a place for originality? Yeah, I think it's a really great question because it really depends on what kind of art that you're making. Are you mm. making commercial art that has financial backing that is insisting on a return on investment? Or are you making art that's strictly for yourself? Mm. In the sweet spot, you're doing both. Uh, you know, if you're Steven Spielberg, you're making what you want and people love it. If you're David, many people love it. If you're David Lynch, you're making stuff that you love. And I read an interview with him and he said, I just hope other people like it. <laughs> he said, I wish I was Steven Spielberg. I just make what I want. And I hope I hope that it works. But I, I think that it's not that people are necessarily, even in terms of their media consumption, they're they're fundamentally uncurious. It's that what they're looking for a lot of times in entertainment is um, comfort. So my wife's been watching the same soap opera for 40 years and I watch it with her most every night. And she says, this is just terrible, isn't it? But at the end of a long day, she says, I just wanna unplug and I know what to expect from this. Mm -hmm. So if you've ever been asked, did you see the latest Oscar winning film? Maybe you haven't because it's the kind of film that's gonna make you uncomfortable. And you wanna consume something that makes you comfortable. And if you think about how long stories have been told going all the way back to the caveman, stories have a specific structure, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And there's points along the way that people are looking for. And when those points don't appear, you get uncomfortable. Now, if it sends you off in a direction that maybe teaches you something or gives you new experience, great. But if there doesn't seem to be a point to that sort of a going off the rails, 
then you're saying, wait a minute, just take me back to the thing I know. Can you give me a happy ending, please? So I think it's a lot more about comfort. And then in terms of, again, the way media is created, if it's for profit, they want a formula because it's an investment. They want to have some idea that it's going to work. Yeah, I get that. And I think I like what you said there about, you know, maybe not curiosity has to be there in all situations, right? Sometimes just give you permission to enjoy something um, without, you know, going into it in any more depth and just say, no, I'm just relaxing. You know, this is just my comfort. <laughs> and then save your curiosity from when you really want to, to use it. Don't abuse the power in a way, right? Don't dilute the power of curiosity. That's right. And there's times I will uh, handpick things for my wife to watch. And I've watched it already. And I say, I know this will challenge her in a way she'll enjoy it versus watching something where she says, what was the point of that? And right. if she gets to the end and, and even though I'm like, this will be good for you while well, eating beans is good for you. And people are like, I don't want, I want, I want chocolate cake. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> you just want the chocolate cake and that's okay. That's okay. Indeed. So, you know, you started in this creative industry which people recognize as a creative industry and and then somehow that led you to market research which many people might not know the creative side of that but you know can you share with our listeners a bit about your journey sure well i actually have a, an undergraduate degree in journalism and the reason i have that degree is because of my dad he had said to me when i was a senior in college in high school he said um doug what do you want to study and i said I don't know, business. And he said, why? And I said, I don't know. And he said, you know, I think you should do journalism because you like to write and you like being on camera. And I said, okay, that sounds good. And then he found schools, great journalism schools. I ended up going to one and then I got so involved. Like I really loved it. And years later I told him, I just want to thank you. He said, for what? I said, for paying attention because I clearly was not paying attention. And I know one of the things you know, we might talk about is how parents can help their kids. And that's the biggest way you can help is by paying attention to what your kids really love, because a lot of times they aren't paying attention to it. Mm. So when I got into doing uh, into public broadcasting, I loved working on air. I loved recording music. I, I learned so much about all different types of music that I'd never been exposed to before. It was really an amazing experience, but very uncomfortable at times. But after a few years of doing it, I wasn't sure what my direction would be. I thought maybe I would get into management and management required a master's. I'm like, okay, got to get a master's. So then I go get a master's degree and I took a research methods class and the, the professor was very engaging. And as I was listening to him, I really thought, you know, I create things, but I don't know why. I don't know if anybody wants these things. I never even ask if people like it. I just make it and I hope people like it. And I thought this actually, it'd be really interesting to learn what people want. You know, how do people mm. find the things that they want and, and why do they want these things? And by the end of that degree, I decided maybe I'm going to get into doing this. But I will tell you that I knew nothing about market research. And this is part of the type of process that I, I like to talk to people about in terms of curiosity is creating a series of steps that you can follow to learn things so you can figure out what it is you're interested in. So what I did was I wrote, this is 1992, there was no email, no internet. I wrote letters to every research company within a hundred mile radius that said, can I just talk to you about what you do? I'm enclosing my resume just so you can see who I am. I'm not asking for a job. You just give me an hour of your time. And so I sent those letters out, priority mail, so they would open them. And then I would call, and I hate making the calls, but I would call and say, oh, I sent that letter. And they say, oh yeah, the president got it. How about next Thursday? I'm like, really? 
So one of the things I found from that experience is that people are really happy to talk to you when there's nothing that they have to give except an mm. hour of their time. You're not asking them for anything. And they love talking about the thing they're interested in. And through that, I learned so much things I wanted, I was interested in, things I didn't want to do in research. I got job interviews from it. But it's all because I just asked, will you just tell me you know, what you're interested in? And I spent the first half of my career doing nothing but media and entertainment research because that's what I really loved. And um, I mainly did quantitative research where I was just doing surveys, big, big studies. Occasionally, I would do interviews with people, qualitative research, focus groups, one-on-one -on -one interviews. In 2007, I decided I really need a new path. After doing a lot of job interviews, I end up like, I'm just going to try start my own business. And you know what? <laughs> right at the beginning, people started saying, do you do focus groups? Sure. Can you do these interviews? Sure. And I ended up doing that. Now that's bulk of what I do. And it's for a curious person, you can't think of a better job because all you're doing is asking people, tell me about this thing. Tell me more. Why are you interested in that? And so it's a great way to keep myself stimulated. And now I work across industries. So before we started talking, I mentioned I'm talking to people about moving to Portugal. And then I will talk to people. I'll talk to chief marketing officers about how they uh, design their digital ad programs. I'll talk to yeah. IT specialists about firewalls. And each time, like, well, I'm learning something new. It's uncomfortable for me because I don't know it. But on the other hand, I found this sort of universality among people, the way they think. And then I really like tapping into that because it's a way to explain to the clients, you know, if this is what they were really saying, forget what you know and just listen to what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, I think it's been a, a through line of curiosity for me, even though I, I will tell you, I never thought of it that way <laughs> until I really started focusing on this more recently. Right. So one of the, I suppose, you know, a lot of people don't know about the market research sort of sector and what it does really, apart from annoy people with questions sometimes when they're busy trying to watch a program that they like. Right. Uh, so, but in terms of, you know, if you're working in that industry, you mentioned the curiosity of, you know, asking questions is, is, is feeding your curiosity for sure. Um, are there any other ways that you see that curiosity and market research are linked? Well, if you ask market researchers why they like market research, they will say it is because they are curious people. Now, I mean, it, there's always there are always mechanisms to getting things done. And some people just like the machinery a lot. And there's been times I've said, let me explain this project to you. I don't care. Just tell me what mm. has to be done and when it's due. And that's the way those people think. And you need those people desperately in market research. You need the machinery to work. But then you need the people that say, why are we asking this? What are we doing this for? What does the client really need to understand? And that curiosity, even about what the client wants to learn, even when you're like, I don't really care about this, but then you think, but the client really wants to know. And all of a sudden you get engaged in it because you're a representative for that client. I will tell you as far as market research goes, now there actually are master's programs and even some undergraduate programs in market research, but I know almost nobody that said, you know what I'm going to do with my career? Market research. Because they don't, e it's what you said, they don't even know it exists. Um, but it's because it's that sort of mysterious thing of asking people questions. Anybody can use SurveyMonkey now to write a survey. Like, what's the big deal? But there is a science to it. And if you learn the science, you can do it really well. If you don't, you can ask bad questions to get bad answers. And, and you say, no, that's real information. So I, but I think, again, it's 
the, that fundamental interest in just learning things and exploring, I think that draws people into the industry. Yeah. So anybody listening who, you know, maybe thinking about changing their career and that if they feel they're a curious person, then check out the market research sector and maybe you just do what, what Doug did, right? Just send those letters out and say, hey, I don't know anything. Um, tell me about what's special about your industry. What do you love? Why do you love it? And you'll be surprised to also get a response, I think. So <laughs> fantastic. So let's talk about curiosity and links still, but now we want to talk about it. How do you see curiosity linking to people's well-being specifically and then also more broadly to joy? So, Andrew, uh, I think this might be a good place to just do a brief exercise. Uh, when I do workshops around curiosity, I have people just do a reflection at the beginning. And the idea of the reflection is simply to feel what your body feels when you're really interested in something and you really want to learn about something. So uh, just for the sake of the podcast, we'll just ask people here just to stop and do this reflection, but I'm just going to explain it. And then if people are inclined, they can take a minute and do it, or you could do it later and just experience these feelings. But I'll just do a quick explanation of what this exercise is like. So what I'll have you do is just close your eyes and just think for a minute about a time. It could be recently. It could be when you were young, where you were just really curious about something. And I want you to clear your mind of everything else and just think about what does it feel like to be really curious? Not just uh, what you're thinking about, but what is your what is the reaction that your body actually has? And how does it make you feel? What are the emotions you feel? And then once you open your eyes again, think about what you would do next with that feeling. Do you let that feeling dissipate or would you act on that feeling? And probably you've been really curious about something, you have acted in the past. So take a minute and do that. If you want to pause the uh, recording and then come right back. Yeah, that's brilliant. I really love that connection with the mindfulness exercise to, to get people to tap into how it feels, right? Because, you know, we all know as kids, we had that curiosity naturally. And we're going to talk about that um, in more depth in a minute. But, you know, it's just amazing that that feeling we know Right. So if you can tap back into that feeling and pull it up and say, OK, I'm reconnecting to really who I am, my my child through this curiosity can can lead you down this path of well-being and joy. So pulling you back, then listeners, please go and, and, and do that for the minute, do the pause button and then come back to us. And, and, and we're going to continue now to sort of dive a bit more into the well-being benefits mm -hmm. of 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 curiosity how does that how does it improve your well-being being curious sure um so I'm, I'm working on a research project now where i'm interviewing people who are thinking about or have moved to portugal from mainly from the uk and from the us and i was just doing an interview yesterday with a woman i was asked at the beginning tell me a little bit about yourself and one of the things was what was your age and she said i'm 75 years old and she and her husband are thinking about moving to portugal and I asked why and she said because we're adventurers and I asked, did you visit Portugal before you planned to move there? No, I just read about it. I looked at a lot of different countries were interested in, always interested in moving to Europe. And this one kind of met all our criteria. And then I set about trying to figure out what are the steps I have to take 
in order to do this. And she's just started, just like with my letter, she just started with a first step. I'll just do a search, you know? And, but what she said was the reason they want to move is because they want to keep their brains active. She said, we're going to go there and learn a new language. We're going to be in a new culture. It's a, it's an arts-based culture. So there's a lot to stimulate you. And essentially she, they want to keep themselves alive and, and um, vibrant. And Again, if you think about those feelings, I love that you reference that feeling of being a kid and curious as a kid, because it's a visceral feeling and you feel energized when you're excited about learning something, even though, you know, there might be discomfort and that keeps your brain active. And I was just reading an article about um, how exercise impacts your likelihood to have dementia later in life. And um, even people who are genetically predisposed to getting dementia have a, a lower chance of getting it if they exercise. And this is the same thing with keeping your brain active. So in terms of well-being, in the long run, you're paying yourself every time you are curious and you follow that path to, to explore, you are keeping yourself, um, you're, you're paying yourself. You know that you're getting dividends way down the line. But then you, there, this in terms of well-being, the short-term benefit is you might find things that really excite you, engage you, and might even really change your life. So just mm -hmm. a real short example. In my industry, I'm involved in what I call a job club, but it's for the industry, and we uh, have meetings uh, twice a month. We have uh, postings where people can look at jobs, and we just got this story about a woman who said she was felt stuck. And she wasn't sure what she wanted to do in the industry. Should she leave the industry? And she reflected on what she's interested in. And she was interested in creative pursuits. And she saw a job in our list at Adobe. But it was a job kind of below her level. But she thought, I'll just contact them, see what they say. And they listened to her background. They said, maybe you should just be in charge of our research department. And forget that lower level job. You could do this higher level job. Right. And she said, now I'm going to be working at this company where I get to do creative stuff and market research. But it's because she did that exploration. It's like she didn't let herself atrophy and say, well, this is my lot in life. I'm just going to do this until I retire. She said, what can I do differently to get myself out of this? Someone described this to me as if you're in a, a if you surf, when you're in the trough, you have to kind of wait for the wave, but know that a wave will come. <laughs> You know, there's going to be waves eventually, and then you'll be able to catch it. So sometimes you'll be at a point where it's like, maybe I'm at a low point. You got to feel those feelings and then say, okay, now I'm ready to move on. And now I'll start catching the wave again. That's what that woman did. And I think I just get excited about that story. It just yeah. makes me feel good to think that someone could find a path again. And I think that's why I got interested in doing this work is because helping find people find their paths is as exciting as finding your own. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, when you look at COVID and the impact that had on, on people and what they talk about, you know, the great resignation and so many people right. considering, hey, what do I want to do with my life really? And taking that opportunity to, to be curious, right? I think it was one in four people were thinking of changing their jobs in the next 12 months, of which half of those were saying, well, I'm actually going to do something completely different. I'm not just going to go from, you know, P&G to Unilever. Um, I'm actually going to do what I want to do, do what I love. So they've got that spark of curiosity, right? So how do they take that to the next right. level, right? How do they 
move forward to find the joy with their curiosity. The spark is critical. Uh, and when you tie that into your work with joy, I really, in preparing for a discussion today, I started thinking, well, what is the relationship of curiosity to joy? And I think of joy as this, uh, I'm sorry, I think of um, curiosity as the spark and joy as the fire. Mm. You know, joy isn't something that just hits you while you're sitting on the couch. <laughs> like, wow, I found my calling. I'm feeling amazing. <laughs> uh, you have to find, you, you have to take a path. You, you work your way into joy. And what's going to get you there? I mean, there are many things that can get you there. But the great thing about curiosity is going back to childhood. It's a thing we already have. No one has to teach you how to be curious. And some people will say, like, I'm not really interested in things. But I would beg to differ. I bet you have tchotchkes in your house that you collect there on a road trip. Little spoons, right? Why would you be interested in that? To everybody else, that sounds so boring. I like learning about the states where the spoons came from. I like the design. Whatever it is, you are interested in it. I don't think there's, unless somebody sits in a, in a white room with a desk and a chair and does nothing all day except stare into space, there are things you're interested in. And it's about keeping your antenna up so that those, when, when, the, when the wave comes, you're like, yes, I'm ready for it. I just let it wash over me and another wash over me and I sit in my white room and do nothing. So that connection between curiosity and joy is really vital. And I, I bet if you ask people that have great experiences in their life, when they really have experienced joy, they will, just like you asked me, how did I find my way to what I'm doing? They will tell you all the steps it took to get them there, whatever that process was. It didn't just strike them one day. Even if they had an epiphany, it's because they've been thinking about it for 15 years. <laughs> mm. That's when the epiphany appeared. It wasn't that uh, something appeared out of nowhere. Yeah, definitely. From our, you know, from our research, curiosity comes definitely out as one of the the superpowers. You know, that people have if they are joyful and they have this sense of curiosity, whether that's curiosity about themselves, you know, going inside, um, learning about their own well-being, or whether that's an external curiosity about how they can positively impact the world. You know, that really is another wonderful way in which they can link it to joy to find that positive impact that they can have um, on other people. So talking about positive impact on other people, one of the ways things we've already talked about is children, right? Now we know naturally curious, everybody as a child gets into trouble um, because they're poking their fingers in places they shouldn't be poking their fingers, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but research also shows there's a, you know, this link between curiosity and academic success um, that really makes a difference to kids. So I know, you know, we've got lots of parents listening to the podcast and the question is how can parents, what can they do to, to nurture this curiosity um, in their kids? How can they make it blossom? I just have to tell you, I just, I just thoroughly enjoy kids and even, and young people because they are so open to new things. They want to experience new things. And it's really exciting to be around people who want to learn new things. And then even when you're feeling down, like, oh, I'm just exhausted. But wait a minute, this person's so excited, you get pulled into it. So I, I was doing a little research and I found this stat, I don't know how accurate it is, but essentially the stat said that three-year-olds ask 100 questions a day. 
And by the time they're 10 years old, they basically have stopped asking questions. Wow. So there's a sort of downward path from the time that you're completely open, just, just even to age 10, seven years later, like, okay, I know what the guardrails are now. And I've had people tell me, can you just stop asking me about that? And parents, mm -hmm. I have twin daughters. They're going to be 22 this year. <laughs> and I know what energy it took to raise them. And there were times I was just tired. So when they would say, hey, dad, can you tell me, like, can we do that tomorrow? <laughs> do you really need to know that? Or you just say, you throw off some answer out of the top of your head. You don't mm. take a minute and really give them the space, the energy, and look them right in the eye and say, you know what? That is an interesting question. How could we learn more about that? So that's the first thing that parents can do is, Teach your children how to explore, because that's a thing that they do not know. And uh, I was lucky enough to do a session with uh, interns in your organization, and I talked about these following steps to um, explore once you have that curious spark. And at the end, I said, hey, I just want some feedback. What did you think overall? Was there anything you took away from it? And I remember one person specifically said, the steps, there are steps that I can follow. Right. So in other words, I have something that's repeatable. And now I'm sure you've been in a restaurant and seen a three year old holding some device in their hands. So they have this avail even available to them. Of course, you don't want the kids to search in Google when they're five years old. But you can show them, hey, let's go to the library and we'll get out three books. Let's find a video that's appropriate for you <laughs> and we'll watch the video together and then we can talk about it. That's the other piece. Talk about maybe the parent will actually learn something that they don't know about. One of my daughters is she's um, in art school. She's studying graphic design, wants to get into UX design. She loves music. She will walk into a room in the mid sentence talking to me about because I love music too. Uh, Dad, you won't believe the concert that I just went to. It's unbelievable. The thing they did at the concert, you know. And there's part of me is like, oh, do I have to hear about the concert? And I'm like, just let me listen for a minute. And then I get excited about it and I say. Is that, are they coming to my town? Can I see them? <laughs> so if I'm open and I listen, I'm actually changed from the experience. But you know, there's that sort of old joke about like, you know, kids asking why, why is the sky blue, blah, blah, blah. Well, maybe you'd be interested to know why the sky is blue. Why don't you just learn that? <laughs> and why don't you teach your kid how to experience it? And the other thing is, I, I'll go back to that phrase about keeping your antenna up. You can say, that's amazing. You want to learn about that. I want you to keep paying attention every time you find something you're interested in. Think about how that makes you feel. And then think about the next thing you can do to learn more about it. Like these, it's just, it's really not a complicated process, but because the way, it, at least the education system is set up in the US, there are guardrails. There are things we have to learn. There are things we have to know, right? Can I ask a side question? No, there's no... Do that on your own time, you know? Right. Or right. I'm not going to stop the class to answer this, you know? I have the three things I have to get through. We got to be done by three o'clock. So by the time you're even someone asks you, what do you want, you're a senior in high school, what do you want to do? I don't know. And I have no idea, no way to figure it out. But if you're five years old and you said, what are you interested in? Like, I like butterflies. Really? Tell me more about that. By the time yeah. you're 18 years old, like, I don't even know what I like. I just got to go to college, right? Right, and that's that's really important what you talked about, that transition and, you know, when they then become teenagers and, and move out of that natural curiosity. 
phase. It's slightly different, but you know, the seeds are already sown before then, as you said, you know, what how you treat, how you react to your children when they ask that question why, when they're five, when they're seven, when they are naturally curious, how you give them time. Um, and you actually genuinely listen to them and and feed their curiosity. And that really is, you know, in the old days you used to have to get out the Encyclopedia Britannica and try and find the answer right but now we've got you know google at our fingertips so so we can say yeah and here's a kid's suitable video let's watch it together um my personal experience was you know during the beginning of covid when the schools were shut down um and then my daughter was seven so you know i was the homeschooler for that period and and the way we did it was really each morning she could pick an animal any animal and we'd spend the next three hours um, on our curiosity for that animal. You know, how do we draw that animal? Um, what are the habits of that animal? Um, so one of the most useless bits of information I now know is that ants breathe through holes in their body. Uh, so not very useful bit of information, but all that information that we both learned over those eight weeks of those, I don't know how many, 40 animals or whatever we got through in that period was just a fantastic bonding experience for us as well as feeding her curiosity and, and, and mine as well. So I think, yeah, giving space, definitely not being caught up in our own busyness and don't ask silly questions type things, you know, because do it together, make it a bonding. I'll just say that, uh, that information about the ants might come in handy someday. So as opposed to saying that's useless information, I love saying that. Like I've got a lot of useless information in my head. It's all useless until I'm talking to someone one day and I realize, like, wait, that person's interested in this, or that reminds me of the ant thing. Like, let's say we're trying to design a submarine that you know needs to be mm -hmm. able to bring air in in a new way. Like, but wait a minute, ants breathe through their bodies. Can the submarine breathe through them? Could we learn to do that? Is there some something we could create to help us? So I, that kind of information actually is, it, it's incredible. Incredibly, you know, yeah. it's, but that, but it's not if you see it as if you've made a list of pros and cons of why you need to learn this, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. If you why see it as a, a arts, mm. why have a liberal arts education? Because yeah. like that research methods class I took, if I hadn't taken that class, I wouldn't have done this for 20, the last 28 years because I would have just said, right, what do I need that for? I'm just going to be a manager in public broadcasting. Tell me more about public broadcasting. Mm. Like maybe I already know enough about public broadcasting. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Excellent. So that was a wonderful bit of advice, not to think of it as useless information, but to think of it, hey, that could come in handy one day when I'm trying to problem solve something else and that lateral thinking of saying, hey, now I know this, I combine it with that bit of knowledge and all of a sudden, you've got a new solution, whether for you or you can gift that solution to somebody else. So amazing advice. Thank you, Doug, for that. So let's focus on adults now. And, you know, many adults have, you know, admittedly lost a bit of that curiosity, lost that spark that we had. And so how do, what can they do? Can we give them some practical advice for how they can actively go about, you know, rekindling the spark and lighting the fires of curiosity? I think you take everything I just told them to do with their kids and just, okay, now I'll do it for myself. And the very first thing you can do is that reflection that I talked about. All mm -hmm. right, look, I feel like I am just completely stuck. Maybe I'm at a point in my career where I don't know what to do next. Maybe I've run out of energy for the thing that I'm doing. 
Maybe I'm doing an activity I've been doing for the last 30 years and I'm bored of that activity. Should I continue with the activity or not? I think the first question is to ask yourself, why did I start this in the first place? You know, was there a reason, like if I think about some days about, oh gosh, another day of interviewing 10 people about something I don't even care about. Why do I feel like doing this? But if I think back to that market research class and I think, oh, I was just interested to understand why people think the way they think. And sometimes when I'm start doing an interview and if I'm finding my mind starting to wander, I just remind myself of that. I like finding out about people. I And also that client had those points in mind that I have to remember that I have to be sure to cover. So now I'm representing the client. But then it's funny. Then all of a sudden I get interested in myself because I've sort of followed a process. I worked my way into it. It's kind of like, should I run today or not? You know, and you get your sneakers on. I don't feel like doing this. You know, and you go, out, I don't feel like doing this. And you run. I always do this. I run one minute and I think I can turn around and go home. <laughs> and then about 15 minutes into it, I've kind of forgotten all about that. And by the time I'm done, I've totally, I don't enjoy might be the wrong word, but I've, I've gotten something out of the experience. Yeah. But if I quit at the beginning, I would have gotten nothing out of the experience, a return to my couch, right? So I think that first question is, why did I get into this in the first place if you mm -hmm. feel stuck? And sometimes the answer might be, you know what? The reasons I got into it for, they don't exist anymore. And now you've, but now you've given yourself an answer and you can say, what's the next thing? Now I can move on to the next thing. And like I said, there are some people that are just fundamentally curious people. They're born that way. They're interested. They're interested. They're interested. Great. I think a lot of people aren't like that. And that's perfectly, because then they're perfectly fine because they'll say, well, I guess if I'm not curious, then I won't ever find anything. And I said, that's not true. I think that you can take one step, just take one step today, whatever that step is. And when I asked about this, uh, the, uh, moving to Portugal thing. That's the question I asked, what steps did you take? Oh, the first thing I did was I went on my computer and I typed in, how do you move to Portugal? <laughs> and then a bunch of blogs come up. I'm like, okay, this one looks kind of reputable. I'll read this one. And then people said, then I end up joining 47 face groups, Facebook groups about moving to Portugal. And then people will see me posting. They'll say, hey, do you want to have a conversation? Yeah, I'll talk to you about that. And they find people are really helpful and they want to share their excitement. And they also, they put their hand on the stove one time, like I made a big mistake. Don't make that one. Let me explain it to you. I'll save you some heartache, right? But those are all steps you can take. And the first one only takes minutes. That's the other problem is people think I have to have so much time to be able to do this, to invest in this. Well, you can go for a walk for 10 minutes and get all, you know, a lot of energy for the day. Right. Yeah. You can spend five minutes doing that one thing at the beginning of the day for yourself. I love your animal example. Let's start by doing something you're interested in. Then we'll do math. Yeah. <laughs> Not math first. Right. Then right. animals. It's animals first. Now. Now we have to do that other thing. Right. So start by paying yourself by spending five minutes doing a little bit of research. And tomorrow I'll say I'll block out five minutes to do a little mm -hmm. bit of research. But don't say to yourself. There's no way it's hopeless. I'll always be in the trough. I'll never catch the wave yeah. because I was telling someone recently, like I'm a type B person. I don't know how I've achieved things that I achieved. And the person said, you achieve things you achieve because of who you are, <laughs> not in spite of who you are. So you have to open up your mind and say, I've been able to do a lot and I could do this again. 
But I have to not look at it as a chore or a checklist. Yeah. I have to say, when I was five and I loved butterflies, I'm like, uh, can you take me to the park? Can you take me to a museum? Yeah. Can you take me to the zoo? I want to see butterflies. Think of that feeling and go from and th- see it as open ended, not I'll reach a destination. I'm just going to start an exploration. Mm. I love that. Though. I love that concept of, you know, going small steps because that enables you to go broad, right? You can decide, okay, I'm going to spend five minutes in this hour on different things. So you can cover, you know, 20 topics in that, that time all of a sudden, right? You go, wow. Um, and then you'll find, slowly, okay, I like those three. Maybe tomorrow I spend then 10 minutes on those three. And then you narrow it down to two. That wasn't, yeah, these are the two. And then all of a sudden you've you found something you're passionate about or not. And then you start again. Hey, another 20 things, another five minutes. And that gets you on that spark, that road of finding what your purpose, what your passion is, what you're really curious about that you don't know. That makes a lot of sense to me. We can talk about passion when you're ready, because I have some thoughts about that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll save that for another podcast on on passion for sure for sure it's, I'm it'll gonna be a short it'll be a short discussion and it'll be how Will i it? found my way in curiosity yeah well then tell me we've got a short we've got a minute if you want to say it now doug absolutely okay great so um i know one of the questions you mentioned might be asking me is what are resources that people can use and i love listening to public radio because i always learn about ants who breathe through their bodies and sometimes i'm like enough esoterica but other times i'm like I never thought of it that way. And there's this show, the TED Radio Hour, where they interview people who have done TED Talks, but then they talk to them about like what the kernel of that TED Talk was. They play sections from the TED Talk. But I, I've been thinking about this follow your passion thing for a long, long time. And so one day there was the author, Elizabeth Gilbert. She's She wrote Eat, Pray, Love, and she's written a number yep. of self-help books. And then she also does a lot of like self-help talks. And in this TED Radio Hour, she said that her talks are always about finding her finding your passion. And she said, you know, when I was a kid, I was five years old and I want to write and I found my passion. I'm going to pursue it. Right. And so in her talks, she would always talk about that. You know, think about that thing you're always interested in. And she said she did this one presentation and she gets a letter from somebody who said, I was so excited to come to your talk until you talked about finding your passion. And I don't know what my passion is. It's great you found yours. And I left feeling depressed and I didn't know what to do. She thought, I've been doing this all wrong the whole time. (laughs) And she thought instead, well, how do you find your passion? And she said, through curiosity, because you can just take one step to start finding something that you would might be interested in. And I would caution people about finding your passion I would take that idea and tie it to a block of concrete and throw it into the ocean (laughs) and forget because all of a sudden you put this great pressure on yourself. I got to find something I love waking up for every day. And if what happens if I don't do it, what happens if I don't find it? Then it's a black hole, right? But you can, can, if you think of it as an exploration, a continuous exploration, you can get excited about exploring something new every day. Now, I would say, with uh, I would, the one caution I would have is don't just dabble. If you say, I tried that for five minutes, I didn't like it. Well, I didn't enjoy running when I started it, but I found I liked it once I did it, once mm-hmm. I had that experience, once I build up a muscle for it. 
So you've got to kind of explore things to the ag. I have this phrase I saw in a movie one time, ride her till she bucks you, <laughs> right? So right. stay on until either you get thrown off or you choose to get off, but don't just dabble. And Elizabeth Gilbert said one thing I don't like. She said, I'm a jackhammer. Yeah, I found something I want to keep going. And then there's people called butterflies. They kind of go from thing to thing. I'm like, don't call me a butterfly just because I'm interested mm -hmm. in a variety of things. That makes it sound, butterflies fly with a purpose. I got to find a flower to get nectar. I get to reproduce <laughs> butterflies to look beautiful while they do it. You know, but butterflies are accomplishing things just the way jackhammers. Sometimes jackhammers are destroying things for no purpose. So if you don't feel like you're jackhammer and you feel like I'm interested in a lot of things, good for you. And if you yeah. explore them to the end, like, should I move to Portugal? Some people I've talked to have said, I don't think I'm going to do it. I explored it to the end. And now I decide, great, you can get that out of your brain and move on to the next thing. So that what that's not a failure. That's a success. You found yeah. something you're not interested in. You can move on to the next thing. So I, I just be careful with that word passion instead. Yeah. Saying, I'm just going to be a curious person. <laughs> and one day I'll be like, I found something I love. I didn't even know it. Yeah, thank you for that almost provocative but definitely evocative um words there i mean i think there are people who would argue both sides of that that argument i can see both ways and i think in either of those scenarios curiosity still remains the key even Absolutely. if when you're passionate you found your passion don't stop there right so as you say you right. go deeper in that but keep your mind open i think that's also what you're saying even if you found your passion you know that might be when you're 20 it might be something uh, that might not serve you anymore when you're 30. So, you know, keep your mind open to the other opportunities that, that come along. We're coming towards the end of our, our chat today, Doug. It's been so wonderful to talk to you. Um, you mentioned Elizabeth Gilbert. Are there any other people or resources you would recommend to people if they want to be more curious about curiosity? Well, the TED Talks are great. And you can just go onto YouTube and type curiosity TED Talks and you'll get 50 that will pop right up. <laughs> um, and the nice thing about those is they're 20 minutes. Uh, they're, they're designed to be concise. Those people are trained to present in mm. a concise manner. And so you can get a little bit of information in a relatively short amount of time. Um, Elizabeth Gilbert also wrote a book called Big, Big Magic. And it's about um, overcoming your fear in order to be creative and it's by using curiosity to do that. Mm. So um, I think that's another thing is we think we're not creative people. Oh, an artist, my daughter's creative, but I don't draw. We come up with creative solutions all the time to problems that we have, but we let fear, this is the big problem. I go back to the adult piece that um, we, and the minute we have somewhere interested in, we say, no, no, that's a dumb idea. Let out mind. I got to write, pay some bills, right? You got to overcome your fear. And that's what that book is about. Overcoming your fear or avoiding the fear instead saying, I'm going to be open to the exploration. So I just think that's a great starting point. And there are websites that you can go to as well. I just, just do a search. <laughs> do a Start search. with the search. Start. Start and that, and if you find that, that I, I would, I would say that Ted, if you just do a search uh, for um, Elizabeth Gilbert, Ted radio hour, that interview will come up and that's a really great starting place. Brilliant. Um, thank you very much for sharing that with our listeners. You've mentioned a lot of great tips and advice today to our listeners. If you could boil it down just to your favorite three tips to being more curious, what would those be? Sure. 
I think number one is just take the first step. So when that thought comes into your head, I'm interested in this, you know, a lot of people, not everybody have this right in their hand. Yeah. And you can say, I'm going to stop for one minute and just do a quick search. And maybe then I'll put a pin in it and I'll come back to it later. But get started. Don't say three days from now, because you will forget about that thing unless mm. you write it down. Right. So just get started and pay yourself first. <laughs> you know, so put the money in the savings account first. Do the, your curious activity first or set aside time. I, I think that's, but taking that first step is really important. Uh, the second one I was thinking about was talk to experts like that exercise I did when I wanted to get into research. And there's a lot of things that people do that very few people are excited about. <laughs> so if you contact something, somebody about something they do that, you know, it's not being a movie star, <laughs> being a rock star, being rich and famous. Okay. I've cut those three out and you say, I want to learn about market research. You contact somebody who does market research. Sure. I'll talk to you about that. Nobody ever asked me about that. They'll be excited and happy to talk to you about that. Third thing is uh, keep your antenna up. So if I go back to that example uh, about my my dad, thank I really mean it. Thank goodness he was paying attention because I really would have just gone into business for no reason. Mm. But when I reflect on what he said, I'm like, he's so right. I mean, I even to this day, when I read, I read the New York Times incessantly, I always read the entertainment articles first. I don't go to the business articles. Clearly, that's what I'm interested in. So you have to pay attention to what you're interested in. And remember, this doesn't have to just be about what my profession is going to be. This is just, what am I going to do after work? And my job's fine. I like it. It pays the bills. What will I do after work? Same steps, same process. Talk to people who do it and see what's great about it. But you have to be paying attention. Even if you're just watching TV and some someone says something, like, wait a minute. Hands can breathe through their bodies. I got to learn about that, right? You then just, you know, keep your antenna up. And the last thing I'll say, because a lot of adults will be listening to this, is just don't crush your thoughts. Don't, the minute you get interested in ants breathing through the bodies, and say, that's so dumb. What will I ever do with that? Forget it. What else is on Netflix? I can watch 10 hours of this thing. <laughs> it, will, it, it, it might give me short-term joy, but it's not going to move me you know, down the line to things I'm, I might really be interested in. Yeah. Well, that's a beautiful segue. Thanks for those tips. But the segue into our favorite question is, is and that's just simply what brings you joy, Doug. I'll go back to the way I enjoy being around kids and young people. Innocence brings me joy. Like to, in order to do a real exploration, you have to be really open mm. and it, like think of it as a clean slate. And we were in a restaurant recently and his family walked in with these two young kids and they were waiting to get their table. I'm like, okay, your table's ready. And the two kids started hopping and skipping and dancing through the rest of the restaurant. And I said to my wife, I said, if I was an adult and I was hopping and skipping and dancing through the restaurant, people are like, what's wrong with that person? But when it's a five-year-old, that's amazing. I love it. I wish I could be like that. <laughs> so well, the good news back. is, Doug, you can, right? The good news is you can. There's nothing stopping you apart from your own ego. Well, that's right. So innocence, I think, is one thing that just brings me joy. I love I love that. Beautiful. I love initial discovery of things. Yeah. Learning something new, going to a museum and seeing something I never knew anything about is I look, I my kids will give me a hard time. Dad, you watch that movie 50 times. I know it's going to turn out. I love it. It makes me feel good. But I still I still see new things. 
even when I'm watching something I, I, I love to see many times, but that initial discovery is really exciting. And another thing I was thinking about was total immersion in something. Because this, I didn't really mention this, but when I talk about that keeping your antenna up, it's about doing something where time just disappears. I, I spent four hours studying ants. I can't believe it. You know, and like, well, you must be interested in that. But that total immersion feels so great. And a lot of times when we're just working on something, it's like, how long will it take? Is it over yet? But if you think about those times, I, I, when I think about it, if I'm playing music, I play guitar, play bass, when I'm doing that, I'm not thinking about how much longer. <laughs> I'm just thoroughly enjoying it. So so total immersion. And then I have to finally just give the answer you should always give, which is my wife and my kids and my dogs. You know, when I my, my daughter has such a great experience in this program she did over the summer and she was so excited to talk about it. And you're like, I can't, maybe I accomplished something. <laughs> She yeah. found something she's interested in. And even though I would tell her, I think you'd be interested though, be, that, that's not the way it works. To see your kid find something that they love and you know they're going to have so many hardships, but when they find something great, you feel like, oh, it's just amazing to experience that. Brilliant. Well, well lovely. Thank you for sharing those, Doug. Wonderful, wonderful seeds of joy. And the one I'm going to stick in my mind is the total immersion because I found that that has happened to us just now. Right. We've been totally immersed in this conversation and it's time has just flown. Right. Whereas if this had been really hard work, boring, you know, we would have oh, crumbs another 10 minutes. We still got to talk. So that perception of time is a wonderful thing for you to benchmark your own curiosity about. Right. Say, hey, is this really something? Because then you can see, hey, it's just gone. Yes, I must have been interested in that. Four hours just went by without me noticing. So thank you for that piece of wonderful advice. Well, I'm 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 glad the time flew by for you. It did for me as well. Yeah, it was brilliant. And that's all we got time for. But it's been a true pleasure talking to you, Doug, today and a joy also. And hope you enjoyed it too. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you so much, Andrew. This has been great talking with you. I love the work that you're doing. I mean, we spend a lot of time focusing on resolving conflicts in our life, but to spend some time focusing on how to bring joy to your life, that's a real positive. Uh, thank you so much. It also brings a lot of joy to do it. So it's also a selfish thing to be doing. <laughs> Selflessly selfish, I like to call it. Um, and I hope you, our listeners, enjoyed listening to the episode today as much as I did. And if you want to find out more about Doug and what he's up to, please check out the links we're putting in the show notes. I mean, if you don't already do so, please follow the Art and Science of Joy on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. We'd love you to come and join in the conversation and help us spread the joy. And why not there? Why not share your own experiences with how curiosity has helped you in your life? Thanks once again for listening, and I hope you tune in next week for the next episode of the Art and Science of Joy podcast. Until then, stay well, stay joyful, and stay curious.